Hi everyone, Don here. Welcome to Friday Night Stripes. Tonight uh, we've got Tyler Spear with us from Wyoming. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks for having me, Don. Oh, for sure. Glad to bring in yet another state into the as as I try and hit all fifty. Um, Alaska and Hawaii might be a little tough, but I'll see if I can find somebody from there <laughs> along the way. Uh, so, so welcome. Um, so, Tyler. Talk a little bit about your, your, your journey in officiating. How long have you been doing it? How does it work in, in Wyoming? That sort of thing. Sure, Don. And again, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm a little little bit of a different egg. I, I got started in a football officiating right out of high school. Um, that had been 2005. Nice. And so I'm a, I, I still consider myself a pup a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was, uh, played high school football and uh, was definitely not what you would consider a gifted athlete. I played in a small school, so numbers were to my advantage, (laughs) if you put it that way. Um, But after I graduated, my high school athletic director said, you know, I think you might have an aptitude for this. And he asked me where I was going to school, which was the University of Wyoming. And he put me in touch with the state office there. And the state office put me in touch with the local association here in Laramie, where they taught me the game of football at a ripe 18 years old. Um, been nice. doing been doing it ever since, and uh, it's taken me to three states now. I've worked the lion's share of, of my time here in Wyoming, but I I did a season in Iowa uh, with in Iowa City, and then I did a season in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, when I was pursuing my master's degree out at those places, and then. Uh, Funny story, my wife said, I'm not living in Louisville, Kentucky. And of course, the correct response is, yes, dear. <laughs> and so we decided to move back to Wyoming, and I've, I've been back uh, here in Laramie since 2011. Very good. Very good. Well, well great. And, and um, what position do you normally work out there on the field? You know, uh, it's a little different out here in Wyoming. It's a very rural state. Um, so it's kudos to you for finding a Wyoming night, all 12 of us, as I jokingly say. <laughs> um, very rural state. Um, the entire state only has 48 school districts um, and only five classifications of football, 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A, and a class of six-man football. Um, sure. Lots of what we call the tyranny of distance. Um, so road trips are very common for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, we're generalists, Don. So it, in a given year, I'll work any of the five positions uh, on the field. Um, last year, I spent a little more time at referee and uh, was fortunate to work a championship game at that position this past fall. But nice. not, not uncommon to move around and be a wing one week and a back judge the next week and then a white hat. Um, so we mix it up quite a bit out here. Okay. Okay, great. So... Um, so what's the average distance you normally travel for games and and what's the furthest you've had to travel for a game? Sure, Don. So, um, a short jaunt for us would be about an hour. We've got some schools that are in that distance to us. And so those are nice nights. We're home at a a decent hour, but, uh, even just last year, last year, we're looking at, uh, 500 miles to even, um, 550 round trip when you start looking at some of our more. Um, our longer trips and, and the playoffs, they send us a little further away sometimes, but uh, not uncommon to have quite the road trip out here on Wyoming. For sure. 
Yeah. Wow. That, that, that's a, that's a full day commitment then. Absolutely. And we, we try to, if we can pick up multiple games, we will, but at the end of the day, because like anywhere else, uh, officials are hard to come by. And we in Laramie are fortunate because of our university here that we have a, a decent roster of officials that uh, when a school calls, whether it's down the street or across the state, we are receptive. And if we can get guys to go, we're going to we're going to cover that game. Sure. Sure. Well, great. So I, I think what we you and I discussed beforehand, what we were going to talk a little bit about today was free kicks. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the positioning on free kicks uh, in five man. Um, we're going to talk uh, through a few scenarios. Um, we're, we're going to we're going to cover some deep free kicks. We're going to cover some onside kicks. We're we're going to mix it up a little here, um, and 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 hopefully give everybody a nice a nice library of things to be thinking about when it comes to free kicks. So um, on on free kicks, uh, when you're working the back judge position. And, and we can we can just move down the line as far as the various positions. So we'll start with the back judge who has the kickers normally. Um, what what do you normally do as a back judge? What what's your routine for setting up a free kick? Sure. So assuming it's not the one to open the game, obviously we're right. we're finishing a try for point, and then I've got my handy little timer where I time that one minute interval as we as we give those teams a chance to retool. Um, always running up a sideline, not down the middle of the field if I can help it. Um, helps clear that sideline as well. Um, what we do out here and, and other places have their ways as well. Um, when we get that time completed, the line judge and the back judge will come in together to instruct their respective teams. I, as a back judge then, um, am counting the kicking team. Um, I'm gonna try and remind them uh, chin straps and mouthpieces stay um, don't cross the line until it's kicked but also stay in front of that 35 yard line since we have that restriction in high school um, sure going to communicate with my uh, line judge to make sure that that we both have the same count and then we we will signal together and then leave together to our respective sidelines kind of makes a nice presentation um, and then the one thing I'll do is I will take a peek at that 35-yard line, step back, take a peek uh, to make sure that I've got everybody inside because that's an easy way, easy preventative officiating to just make sure those guys are, are legal before we get started. And then, sure. uh, and then away we go. Okay. So when, um, what's, your, what's your level of tolerance for, for offside on a kickoff and let, let's uh, we can break it down into different scenarios but let's say it's a normal middle of game competitive situation kickoff you know for the most part we're pliable I mean obviously um, if they're a step through that's the easy get because it's the one that as one of my uh, colleagues here would say if grandma up in the 13th row can see it uh, or the 30th row I should say if grandma in the 30th row can see it then we better get it. Um, yeah. But I don't necessarily treat it like a sheet of glass um, because at that point, you know, is there really an advantage gained? Right. Right. And, 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 and it's funny that the more you talk to officials around the country, the more those same phrases come out. If grandma in the 30th row can see it, we better have a flag on the field. 
because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's a, a, we use that down here in Florida just as well. Um, <laughs> so those those phrases go everywhere. That's good. So um, what? Uh, I know that we all should have in our minds on every kickoff onside kick. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for? What what what's your routine from everybody set? Kickers got his hand in the air. Referee blows the whistle. What what are your eyes doing? What are you what are you uh, looking for? So the first thing I try to do after we've heard that ready for play whistle is take a breath and just try to relax a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Free kicks are a tense and difficult part of our game. It's Frankly, it's a part of the game that's in question, I would even say. Um, right. And so I try to take a deep breath just to, to reset myself. Um, you know, with the rules as they are now, you've got to watch that football to make sure we do have um, a legal kick, and that includes things like mm-hmm. a pop-up kick. Um, you know, you've got to keep a wide view because it's you by yourself looking at that entire um, restraining line. And so you have to keep a wide view. And then the other thing I do is I always make sure I remind myself where my beanbags are um, just because those Mm. are so vital when we start getting into those surprise situations. Um, You know, really have found a mixed bag when it comes to asking the kicker if they're going to kick it deep or short. Mm. And even if you say, don't lie to me, half the time they don't even, at least out here, (laughs) half the time they don't know themselves where it's going to (laughs) go. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been told. (laughs) And so, and so, you know, is there merit to that? Um, Years ago, there was a school of thought of you had a signal if a coach or if a kid told you they were going to onside, but then coaches with any sort of aptitude figured out, Hey, the bald guy's rubbing his head. That's obviously an onside kick, you know, um, So now it's just, like you said, being prepared every time. And without here with the six-man football that we have, we get a lot of repetitions in onside kick mechanics because they rarely kick it deep in six-man football. Um, So then it's that wide berth. It's then focusing on where's my first touching? Um, Do we have legal blocking? And, And so just keeping that wide angle is so hugely important because there's a sea of humanity and a lot going on. Right. Right. And as we move down down to the, the headlinesman position, I think a lot of a, a lot's the same. Um, you've got your own restraining line to, to, to look out for. I'm sorry, I said headlinesman. I meant line judge. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got your own restraining line to look out for. You've got um, you've got to be aware of the onside kick as well, because at the end of the day, if it's not a expected onside kick, it's going to be the two of you. Uh, making the decision on mm-hmm. everything that happens. Mm-hmm. So um, the line judge is going to be the one most responsible for first touching up in that area. Um, the one most responsible for making sure the ball clears that that restraining line. Um, and, and I think it's a lot of the same things. Am I missing mm-hmm. anything along the way? You know, Don, one thing I would say too is, is sometimes, at least in the film I've seen, fortunately we haven't experienced this, uh, knock on my wooden head. Um, <laughs> fortune, I would say the line judge may have a as good of angle or perhaps a better angle on pop-up kicks as well. Yeah, um, I if, would they, agree. if they can peak a little bit. I would agree. And there's there's probably no reason they can't peak. Um, as long as the um, 
once the the receiving team set, they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that it's unlikely they're going to step off sides. It happens, mm-hmm. but it's unlikely. Um, so they can take a peek at that ball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, they're also going to be the ones, and we'll talk about this a little in the scenarios. They're also going to be the ones looking for that kick catching interference um, on the on short kicks. Um, so they've got they've got a, a, a different variety of things, but they also have to have that heightened awareness for an onside kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, your headlinesman, your umpire, uh, for the most part, they're just dealing with out of bounds. Um, there's not a lot they can offer on onside. They may see a touch that the, the front two didn't see, um, but most of the time not. Um, and so mainly there there's is to handle the kickoffs that don't go the end zone and handle anything out of bounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And the referee of course has the pane of glass of the uh, end zone. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's generally the positioning and setup for, for free kicks. Um, We, we put some scenarios together to talk about the various um, things you can see in a free kick. So let's, let's work through a few of these. Um, we're we're going to start with a staple from last year's um, rule changes. Um, so we're going to start with K simply kicks the ball out at the R40. Um, what's what's going to be the, the end result of that um, most often? Well, most often with this new rule change, obviously they're going to look at um, – accepting that ball at the R45 after we roll the wrists for the free kick out of bounds with the new five-yard provision. Um, you might have the occasional right. coach that decides they want to re-kick um, anymore. You just don't see that, especially risk minimization-wise. Right. Right. And I, I find it interesting that the rule book – specifically called out as a fourth option that they can decline and accept the results of the play. (laughs) And I have yet to figure out a scenario why they included that wording, because obviously on anything, on any penalty, you can decline it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I found it interesting that they, they included that. And I I haven't ever come up with a scenario where you would, um, have you ever come up with a scenario or heard of a scenario where you would? I would say the answer is why not? <laughs> <laughs> Just because, right? Because, exactly. All right. Well, very good. So um, the, uh, the the other option on that, the other way that, that that rule comes into case is let's say the ball goes out of bounds at the R25 mm-hmm. instead. So what's, what's going to be the uh, – that's going to be a little bit more 50-50 on what a coach is going to do. Precisely because we've we've obviously got a deeper kick there um, because they still have the option uh, off the free kick out of bounds to take it 25 yards from that previous spot, which would be the 35. My math right. being, you know, the limited math skills I have tell me that that's more advantageous. Um, but you could also right. see a re-kick here because it was a deeper kick. And if, if um, right. field position being a challenge and or not a challenge field position being a a strategy in the game of football it would make some sense to for a coach to consider having them re-kick and i would say particularly in the high school game you just never know what you're going to get from a kicker sure so 
So just wanted to just wanted to highlight that one. I'm sure everybody had that beaten to their head last year, um, and and I know I know within our association we even during our, our August annual meeting annual football meeting we had some good discussion around around that and, and a little bit of confusion. So we got that cleared up and and we executed from there. Mm-hmm. So good to just brush by that one. Um, and now now we'll dig into some scenarios. We're going to start with a real simple one. K kicks the ball deep. The R80 attempts to field it at the R4, muffs it. Um, that ball is bouncing around. K9's coming in to recover it. The ball lands in the end zone. K9's on top of it. Um, the fans think that kickers kicking team has a touchdown. Um, but, of course, the kick never ended on the muff, and the minute it crossed the goal line, it was a dead ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to have a touchback on that. I don't know that I've seen that happen yet. Have you Have you had that happen yet? See, Don, this is the funny thing. I swear you were digging in repressed memories for me because <laughs> as a young back judge and my my colleagues in Kentucky are probably rolling their eyes still remembering this, um, young back judge back there in this exact scenario happens, uh, muffs into the end zone, um, there's a big scrum, and then the unpilot and the kicking team recovers it, and, and young Tyler Spear, green as can be, honky from Wyoming, throws his hands up in the air, place goes bananas. Turns out it was this school's first touchdown since like the Reagan administration. And so, and of course I had a a white hat, um, someone I hold in super high regard even to this day, even though I only spent a little time out in Kentucky. He comes up, he pats me on the shoulder and goes, yeah, that's not a touchdown. And I said, (laughs) yep, I remember that now. And, uh, and so I got to eat a little crow for that one and buy a round of beers afterwards for that one. But uh, needless to say, I won't, I won't be missing that one ever again. No, no. That, that, and that's, that's, it's always that, that you got to see uh, some of these before they, they become ingrained in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're going we're gonna to run that same kick again. Um, this time, it's deep. This time, um, R80s, better at catching it. He catches it, but he's catching it running back towards the end zone. Um, he, he catches it he, he at the four, um, and his momentum carries him into the end zone where he takes a knee. Mm-hmm. Um, where are we placing that ball? So here we have the wonderful fun of the momentum roll, which, right. um, you know, for the back judges out there, uh, probably part of our pregame preparation during the week, every week, because it's something that you just want to make sure you're on top of. Um, also, a good bean, a good back judge is going to have two bean bags, um, because in this situation you're going to need one. Um, it's also it's you know it's kind of a tool purpose here because it's where the kick ends, but also it reminds us of the momentum rule. Um, but the last thing you want is is to lose one and need another one. And so, little side note: always having two bean bags as a back judge. Um, but yeah, in this situation, that handy little blue bean bag is going to make us look really good um, because yeah. of the momentum roll here. Right. So that that's going to come right back out to the four. Mm-hmm. There's no no uh, option here for a touchback or anything. So um, that that's a really easy one. That and and we go forward from there. I always worry about on things like that, especially the momentum exception. 
that I'm going to throw my beanbag mean to hit the four and I'm going to hit the six instead. And that's going to be like, oh, that doesn't look good. But you can't fix it until after the play's over. Yes. Well, and they um, bounce on these field turf fields. They, they just do? Do, 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 do. It's like a rock on the river. <laughs> so that's going to be one you're going to toss it. You're going to run back. You're going to go, okay, we got to, we, we're, we're, uh, we got to, ball's dead. And then you're going to run up and move the beanbag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. So, so that takes care of, I, I think, deep kicks. Um, uh, there's not a lot else going on on deep kicks. We're going to start talking about some shorter kicks. Um, we're going to go very quickly with, with just a standard onside kick. So K's kicking it. It's a legal bouncing kick. It's not a pop-up and it's, it's going out of bounds. It's heading out of bounds. It has not touched out of bounds at the 50. Um, when K 22, one of the outside gunners bats it back into play. Um, so that it can stay in bounds so that his team can recover. It. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure enough, his teammate, K-34, jumps on it right there at the, at the K-48. Um, what are we going to have in that case? I think it's another one of those referees' worst nightmares, those, those things we don't see very often. But we have an illegal bat on this situation. We do. We do. And, and, uh, and, and I, I'll be completely honest. This is one... That, that I'm borrowing some some aspects of from um, a video review that I saw on MIBT online during mm. one of their monthly meetings. Um, it it was a it was a very I don't want to say complex play, but it was a, it was a onside kick with about five different elements in it, and it was excellent because it was good ed- education on all the different things you got to be looking for in an in an onside kick. Mm-hmm. And the one that stuck out to me is, you know, I'm like, you know, I would not have thrown a flag for illegal batting because I'm sitting there looking at it going, that's a great play. And then I'm like, oh, crap, you can't <laughs> you can't bat a free kick. You just mm-hmm. can't. Um, so that's exactly what we've got. We got illegal batting at the 50. Um, and then we're going to be enforcing that from the 48 mm-hmm. um, because due to an exception in in the basic spot rules. Um, the basic spot is the succeeding spot for free kick fouls by K. Yes. Um, usually the, the basic spot is the preceding spot. Um, mm-hmm. In this case, it's the succeeding spot. So we're going to be enforcing that from the K48. We're going to go 15 to the uh, K33, and mm-hmm. ours is going to have great field position there. There you go. Um, so that's uh, that, that one works out real well. Um, so Kay's going to try it just a little differently this time. The, the bouncing kick didn't work. So this time, Kay kicks the ball softly into the air. And it's, it's a beautiful, it's one of those beautiful arcs. Um, it's going to land right there at about the, uh, about the K-47. It's, it's at the K-46 right now. K-22 took off the minute that thing was kicked. He timed it perfectly. He's right there. He's ready to catch it. He catches it. R56 is right there, ready to catch it. But K22 beats him to it at the K46. He catches it and he's gone. He's mm-hmm. going to the end zone. He's like, I got a touchdown here. Mm-hmm. So lots of things wrong with that one. <laughs> um, where, where's what, what, What's the most important thing that we've got there? Well, the first thing is, is this poor kid that probably never gets to touch the football ever <laughs> thinks he's got his chance to be on the team's highlight reel and we get to take away his birthday. For sure. <laughs> so we have sure. kick, so, we have kick catching interference on this. We do. 
and uh, with a menu of choices. Yeah, and what 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 constitutes? Uh, I, you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask what constitutes kick catch interference here. We're gonna say he interfered because R56 was in the area, and I'm gonna pause that discussion for a minute mm-hmm. um, because we're the next scenario is gonna have it slightly different. And then we'll talk about all the things that go into kick catching interference. So. You're right. We've got kick catching interference on this one, even though there was no fair catch. Um, we've got kick catching interference, and as you said, R has a lot of choices here. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is they can take the result of the play. There's no reason they would. The result of the play is that it's K's ball right there at the K46 because although K ran it all the way to the end zone, it was dead the minute he caught it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the next thing is that they can be awarded a fair catch at the K31. And that's simply 15 yards from the spot of the foul. The mm-hmm. kick catch interference with a 46, we're going to move 15 yards uh, in front of that. And that is that is technically an awarded fair catch. And we will get into that at the end because uh, that, that's an important phrase, awarded free catch. Um, and then they can also have K re-kick it from the K-25. So they've got a couple options there. They're likely to take the awarded fair catch. There's no reason to try mm-hmm. and make K re-kick it. Um, but let's talk about that awarded fair catch. It's at the K-31. What is an option that R has because they were awarded a fair catch, especially when it's going to be at the K-31? What's an option they have? Well, Don, this is one that uh, I think we all have in our little dream book. Um, <laughs> out here, there are at least two coaches a year that always tell us, dang it, this is the year I'm going to do this, and, and we keep <laughs> waiting for it. Um, because we have this unique situation where we do have an awarded fair catch, um, this the receiving team now has the option to a free kick for a try or a field goal, if you will. Um, sure. And so we get to have a little fun, and they have the chance to tee it up from that 31. And if they have a kicker with some talent, they can put it through for a, a three-point field goal. And um, we as an officiating crew get to adjust, and, and hopefully we've prepared for this. Um, not something you'll find most places, but we certainly talk about it out here. I don't know if you guys do in Florida, Don. Well, it's certainly it's certainly one of those things that, as you said, it's in a dream book. And and, and going through going through the uh, the mechanics of that, I'm thinking through it, and it's going to be okay. Back judge is going to be under one post, and and you know whoever the referee has his back to will be under the other post. But what's the referee doing? Because so, he's no longer looking for <laughs> he's no longer looking for roughing. So is he helping out to make sure there's no encroachment on the on the kicking restraining line? So we tweak it a little bit out here, um, trying to okay. keep trying to keep guys in their natural position a little more. And so sure. because it's a free kick, we're going to have a ten yard restricted zone. And so in this case, the K thirty one is going to be um, K's free kick line for this try, and then ten yards. So the 21 is going to be the R free kick line. And we're going to have our back judge and our line judge holding those lines as they normally would. Um, The head linesman in this situation, we're going to put on the goal line because that, of course, matters in this situation. And uh, you may or may not have a a referee or an umpire who's fleet of foot. 
And so uh, having someone devoted to that goal line is important. And then we put, we have talked about, we've never done this, but we, we have discussed and would put the referee and the umpire on respective uprights so that we've that got makes sense. the uprights covered, we've got the goal line covered, and we've got the restriction lines covered. That makes sense. And I, 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 I should probably pop open the mechanics book and see if that's the way it's, it's detailed, if it's even detailed. I wonder if it's detailed. It, it's a, at the end of the day, it's a free kick, right? So Correct. why would you, why would you not set it up as a free kick? As you, as you said, um, in my mind, I was setting it up as a free, as a field goal, but mm-hmm. to, to set up as a free kick is the right thing to do. What I'd really, that that's, that's every official's dream, dream scenario. There's one more scenario I'd really love to see on that same setup. They're kicking from the 31. I want to see an onside kick in that scenario. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because, yeah, it, you know, it, it, they they don't need the field goal. They're down six, so mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna kick, they're gonna onside. And and who knows if the receiving team would even be if the receiving team coach would even have it in his head that that is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, most coaches are intelligent enough to to yeah they know that this is a free kick. Anything can happen. Uh, but that's what I really want to see. I want to see a onside kick on an awarded fair catch. That you know, there's a, there's a time so, right there. There's a time right there where we will look like the best team on the field because we'll all be standing there ready to roll and the utter chaos on two sidelines will be entertaining to watch. <laughs> so so that that's always fun to talk about that one. So... Um, so let's let's bring in that same scenario. A nice, just lofted kick to the sideline. Uh, K twenty two is busting his butt down the sideline. This time, for whatever reason, they weren't ready. The the receiver in the area is not paying attention. He turned his back and is running downfield. Whatever. There's no R in the area. K catches that ball. There's no R player within five ten yards of him. Does anything change? It does not. No. Not on a not on a free kick, and this is this is where free kick. This is one of many um, areas where free kicks and scrimmage kicks differ. Is that in in a scrimmage kick, K can field that ball um, without R in the area, and it's not kick catch interference. Um, but on a free kick, it's got to hit the ground first. Mm-hmm. It's got to hit the ground, and it's got to go ten yards, um, and. This is what this is a scenario we had last year where where those pregames are useful, right? And and lots of lots of referees do pregames in different ways. You have some that just you know what's your job, what's your job. They just make sure go through everybody's job, make sure everybody's comfortable. Um, you've got some referees that treat it as a time to do a little bit of rule rules quizzes. Um, I enjoy both. Um, I don't have a preference of one or the other. I haven't put on a white hat yet. I have a feeling I'm going to be a little bit more on the rule quizzy side. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one where we had a game. Referee was one of the rule quizzy guys, and and one of them was, what are the two things you need in order for K to touch the ball on a free kick? And we said, it's got to go 10 yards, and it's got to hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not either or, it's and. Um, and sure enough, wouldn't you know it, we had it in the game. Um, and because we discussed it, we we had it perfect. We, we knew it was kick-catching interference. We knew what the options were, and we went forward. Um, 
So every time you get one of those little weird scenarios that a referee brings up before the game, you're going to have another time that it, it's actually going to come in, up in the game. Absolutely. And that's where it's nice to have a blend. And I think it's important to know who you're working with. Um, sure. You know, if you've got a, a group of five veterans, the pregame looks a lot different than out here when I'm working with one vet and, and three college students that are in their second year. Um, and we're driving to Bug Tussle, Wyoming for a six man game. You know, that's a that's a different pregame than um, an all veteran crew. But things like that are so important. And one thing I think is so funny about this game is, is it's amazing how what you pregame in the car shows up on the field, whether you like it or not. Um, oh, yeah. And I don't know where that if-then scenario comes into play, but goodness gracious, you know, the one time you don't talk about PSK, it shows up and you wish you would have kept oh, yeah. it in the old, uh, the old itinerary or – you know, something like an illegal bat, you say, you know, I was reading about it this week and so on and so forth. And sure enough, one shows up on a Friday night. And, and, and to be quite honest, that's why I started, that's why I changed kind of the format of the, of the podcast to where we're doing a lot more of this technical stuff um, is I'd like, I'd like people to be able to use these episodes as refreshers on their way to their Friday night games. Um, maybe they'll pull one or two up on their way and just use them as refreshers. I know I'm going to, um, and, and it, it, it'll just, if it helps somebody make a right call somewhere, then, then I, I think we've, uh, I'm perfectly happy with, with the effort we put into it here, here. All right. So one more, and now we're going to get complicated. Now we're going to throw the kitchen sink in. Um, but we're not going to make it something that doesn't happen. We're going to make it something that's feasible. Okay. So Kay is still trying to get this onside kickoff. They, 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 they're having a bad day. Um, so Kay kicks the ball. It's a, it's a legal bouncing kick. K 44 touches it at the K 44. So inside the restraining line has not passed the restraining line. R 78 catches that ball at the R47. I'm sorry, the K47. And he he catches it on a run. And he he's running down to the K20. He thinks he's clear in the clear. Sure enough, K82 punches it out from behind and falls on it. Okay? During K82's run, I'm sorry, during R78's run, R99 holds K1. So lots of things going on here. So we've got, we've got a, a, an onside kick. We've got some first touching. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a returner returning. He fumbles. The kicking team falls on it. And we had a foul by the receiving team during the return. So lots of things to put into place there. Um, so we've got first touching and this just goes back to the K44, doesn't it? See, I think we ignore that first touching, right? Because right, of exactly. the foul. I see. I'm trying. You should see the little picture I'm drawing. Um, <laughs> because I'm very much a visual learner, so I'm drawing this little picture. But because of yep. R78's foul, we ignore first touching. And and that that is that's going to be the. Uh, I had a coach ask me last year. Once they touch it, we can we can return it and do anything. Right. And I actually think 
the answer was you can you can return it. I think I answered you can return it. I didn't say you could do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there needs to be a more expansive answer there um, when asked by coaches because coaches don't necessarily know the rule either. Um, and, and it's got to be more expansive and say, yes, you can return it. But if there's a foul during that return by you, that first touching is ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so be aware of that. Um, so in this case, um, what we would do, and, and I, I didn't do it this in this episode so far, but I'm going to act like I'm coming in and reporting it to the referee. So um, what we have is we've got first touching at the K-44. We've got the returning team running down. He fumbled it. Kicking team fell on at the K-15. Um, however, back where my flag is, we have R-99 with a hold. So what I th- the result of the play is K fell on the ball at the K-15. What I think we have is I think we've got K having the ball there because we ignore, our seven- we ignore the first touching due to the foul. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not enforce the penalty on R-78 because K has to decline that in order to keep the ball because the basic spot for that foul would be the previous spot. Correct. I think I put all those things together correctly. That one took me a little while to put together. <laughs> that sounds right, Don, and that is that is a thinker to say the least. Um, <laughs> and it's one of those where a microphone could be your best friend or your worst enemy if you're the white hat having to for sure attempt for sure. to explain this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's that's one of those where where you're 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 a little you're a little afraid to put too much into it because you don't want to say anything wrong. And and by the way, to, to everyone listening out there, if ever we're going over one of these scenarios and we make a mistake, please let me know. Um, hit me up on Twitter at Friday Night Stripes. Hit me uh, up on email at hello at FridayNightStripes.com. Let me know. Um, I will go back. I will edit the episode to make sure we get the right answer in there. Um, because the last thing we want to do is put wrong information out for everyone. Um, so I think, I think we got all the components there as, as complicated as that one mm-hmm. um, is. So I think that's, uh, that's all the scenarios we put together ahead of time, Tyler. Was there anything else you wanted to cover regarding free kicks? Anything you've seen on a free kick you thought was, was useful? You know, Don, the one thing I work on, and, I, and it's a goal of our association the last year or two, um, obviously the kicking game is so important because it's our biggest, um, we run the risk, the largest risk for a lot of the safety stuff that, that sure. we're worried about with um, with the kicking game. And so we, we want to make sure and be well-versed in, in things. And, and certainly in a situation where, um, we are to kill something, hopping on the horn, putting a ton of air through a whistle so that, that we can risk minimize risk is so important. But then the other thing that, that a, a colleague of mine here has, has emphasized and that I'm, it's one of my goals for this year is, is, is what are we actually looking at on your normal, run-of-the-mill kickoff where where K kicks it, R recovers it at the 15, and we have a normal return. You know, where are our yeah. eyes? You know, who's watching which gunners? Who's making sure we don't have 
a wedge issue um, on the return team, things like that, or, or blindside stuff, you know, instead of just um, because it is mass chaos condensed into such a short period of time, I think it's something that, that um, whether it's through film or what have you, always being mindful of what we're supposed to be looking at, especially where there's only five of us, I think is something we've got to be supremely mindful of because that's one of those situations where um, as a, a college basketball ref once said, you know, I wasn't looking where I was supposed to. And because I wasn't, the kid ended up on a stretcher. And that's the kind of stuff we just want to avoid. And by, being, sure. disi- and by being disciplined, we can do that and we can prevent that as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's always a big consideration um, is, is keeping the kids safe um, in, in any of the sports we work. And, and that's why enforcing even some of the some of the rules that that coaches or, or fans might think are a little silly are are, are important. Um, what one example I'm going to use is um, out, outside of football experience, but we had a lacrosse game that was a girls lacrosse game that was outside of the mercy rule. So we've got a running clock. Um, just we'll we'll say that just to simplify it for those who don't know the rules of, of lacrosse. Um, and the clock keep the clock keeper would not wind the clock. Um, now, fortunately, there were only about three minutes left in the game, so it wasn't a huge deal. But after the game, I, I went up to the, them and I said, "Listen, I wasn't insistent on you winding the clock because I'm trying to get out of here. I, I'm here as long as this game's on. I, I, it doesn't bother me however long I'm here. What I'm concerned about is that we get this game in." in the amount of time it's supposed to be. Because if we don't wind that clock and some kid gets injured late, then there's gonna be a lot of focus on would that have happened had the clock been running as it should have properly and things like that. Um, so even little little things, little mechanics are, are really important to make sure that we get right for, for, for safety reasons as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, and I think anytime we can have little monikers or what have you to remind us um, of those situations. I mean, my, one of my favorites is uh, for a running clock situation. And it's something you, we hand on little file cards to clock operators and we remind ourselves and it's Q-tips. And that's the only stoppages during a running clock situation per the book. Quarter, quarter timeout injury penalty score. Um, Nice. But little things like that, that, you know, then the clock operator who's been doing it since the Millard Fillmore administration, <laughs> you've just given him a new nugget, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice one. I'll have to, I'll have to use that one. Very good. Okay. So I, I think, uh, I think we've hit everything on free kicks. Um, now, one thing I wanted to wrap up with is, is I think you had told me that you've been to the, uh, to the front range officiating clinic. Um, and, and we've had uh, Sioux Empire, uh, Oren from Sioux Empire on before. Front Range is another one that's a, a little bit more focused towards uh, high school football. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience with uh, Front Range? So as, a, as an official, I uh, heard about this clinic the first year it came out. Uh, it was at the time parked at a high school in Fort Collins, and there might have been 50 of us, if that, um, working some high school scrimmages. And it's just blossomed from there. Um, to an amazing experience and one that I won't miss. Um, I, my boss rolls his eyes because the first vacation request I put in every year is for the dates of the front range camp. 
Um, sure. This year it's June 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th, and it's at the University of Northern Colorado, which is in scenic Greeley, Colorado. Um, mm. It's just been a tremendous experience, Don. Uh, world-class clinicians that are real. They, they visit with you. They pat you on the back. They tell you when you hop like a jackrabbit as a wing guy suffling down the field. They, they <laughs> give it to you straight. You, get, you go home with notes that you can work on. And, and the best thing is, is that we work live football through, one of, through this year. It'll be the UNC Greeley team camp, live snaps. And not only do you get the film that they bring from their college or whatever to go through in sessions, but usually there are a session or two where you get to watch yourself. And uh, if that isn't a revealing moment, I don't know what is when they sure. say something and then you have to watch yourself do it multiple times. Um, sure. It helps things stick a little bit. And then overall, it's just a great time, great experience, a ton of snaps, which is is probably the best value add for football just because it's so hard to get snaps in football. And so uh, right. a tremendous camp, great clinicians, um, two of my favorite people um, run the thing and, and would be worth your time to visit with them. I don't want to steal all their thunder, but um, <laughs> but it is it is something to look forward to. And I would say it's inf- the last thing, Don, is it's affordable. You know, they're not, you know, asking for $1,500 or whatever to do this. It's It's an affordable camp. And the last thing I'll say is, is as of this morning when I looked, we they have some positions available due to some cancellations. So if you're an umpire or a back judge, um, hop on the Front Range Football Officials Clinic website and get registered if you can make it. Nice, very nice. Yeah, uh, I, I, I certainly plan to reach out to uh, to Front Range and see if we can get them on, have them talk a little bit more about uh, about the the camp. So. I uh, want to try and give as much focus as we can to these that are, are geared towards five man. Um, there, there are some of the bigger ones that are geared towards college and, and you can find those elsewhere. But I, I, I think these little ones can use, uh, uh, and I say little, that's that, that I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Um, these ones aimed at high school, five man mechanic football are, are, are just as important for, for newer officials. Um, and, and for those who aren't as new. So. Absolutely. And the funny thing last year was we had a guy who'd done it maybe 40 years and his line judge was a young man whose first snaps ever were at the front range camp okay. that year. And so it is for anyone and everyone um, sure. across your levels of experience. Well, very nice. Okay. So thank you um again for for joining tyler i I appreciate you you working through all those those free kick scenarios with me i think we've got a nice uh uh, encyclopedia different scenarios to work on there thank you for having me don uh you do good work let's keep it up and uh much appreciate the opportunity for sure well thank you and we'll talk again soon thanks for listening to friday night stripes Show notes and links to all of the episodes can be found on our website at FridayNightStripes.com. Reviews on Google Podcasts or Apple iTunes are always appreciated as they will help us reach more officials. We are always looking to talk to officials everywhere, so if you want to be a guest, please email hello at FridayNightStripes.com. If you have comments, ideas, or want to correct a mistake we made, you can email us at hello at FridayNightStripes.com. 
You can also continue the conversation by joining the Facebook group, Friday Night Stripes, or following us on Twitter at Friday Night Stripes. Show music is Fight 'Em Down by Flash Fluority, licensed by PremiumBeat.com. We'll see you on the next episode.